You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Jenny Tuff. Jenny is an adventurer, endurance challenger, author, filmmaker, speaker and world traveller. You've travelled six continents solo, cycled around Europe, paddled through the South American jungle, ran marathons on four continents, hiked throughout Asia, trekked in Patagonia, dived with sharks, surfed in the North Sea, competed in numerous adventure races and lived in five countries. In 2016, you wrote your first book, Keep the Sea to the Right, which tells the tale of your solo 3,800 kilometre circumnavigation cycle of the Baltic Sea coastline. And more recently, you became the first person to run across Kyrgyzstan, an expedition which involved 25 days of running with a 12 kilogram rucksack accessing ancient nomad trails high up in the Tian Shan Mountains. Your goal in sharing your adventures is to inspire people to go find their own adventure. Jenny, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I sometimes ask when I read an introduction like that out to the individual, I mean, hearing that back, what does it make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel tired. It sounds <laughs> like I managed to get a lot done in recent years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also a lot of pride that I'm really excited that I have had so many fantastic opportunities so far. So it's good to have that reflection every now and then, look Definitely. backwards, because I'm always just looking forwards. Yeah. So that was nice. Thanks for that you're, little, you're, little you're, ride. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, when did you start doing this? Um, I guess really it started when I was a child, um, and that was more led by my parents, that we spent a lot of time in the outdoors, but the big one was when I was 10 years old, my parents quit their jobs, sold the house, and moved us onto a sailboat. And wow. the family of four, we sailed around the Caribbean for a year and a half, um, exploring cultures and, um, and living on a small boat, which came with its own challenges. Uh, so I guess that really planted the seed, and maybe I didn't think about it at the time, uh, the seed that had actually been planted. So when I grew up and um, you're getting kind of pushed towards that traditional path of go to university, get a responsible job, um, there was still just so much curiosity in me that had been planted from that time that I thought, well, okay, I will, but first I'm just gonna go and do this. And then I ran off to South America for six months. And then I thought, well, I haven't got that out of my system. And it just kind of, just kind of escalated Jeez. from there. So really, since I was a child, yeah. This has been what drives me. That's incredible. I mean, so what was it like living on a, a boat for, what was it, nearly two years? Yeah, um, <laughs> it is a really good lifestyle. So my sister and I were homeschooled. So we were homeschool weirdos for a little bit. Um, and that came with a lot of independence because, of course, my parents were busy actually sailing the boat. So it wasn't like I had a teacher breathing down my neck. It was more, here's a textbook. You need to just learn things. Okay. And so my sister and I were very self-led in our studies and that taught us to be independent, to be very efficient with our time because we figured out quickly that 
the faster we did our math lesson, the faster we could go snorkeling in the reef, and that would just be way more exciting. So we, um, we became really actually driven with our studies, um, just trying to get them out of the way so we could go outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and how far did your kind of career in academia go then? I did graduate university. Okay. Yeah. In Australia, because I still wanted to, <laughs> to go abroad and travel, of course, so that was my happy medium. Really? Yeah. What, what did you study? Tourism. Yeah? <laughs> what did I want to be when I grew up? A tourist. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of a, a kind of career um, to speak of, mm -hmm. what sort of like jobs have you had? What kind of so my first real job, as in in an office and eight hours every day, and that well, so we say, uh, was in charity events. So we were doing bike rides and runs and things that I was really interested in, and that was a really inspiring time working with people who were taking on these big charity challenges and mm -hmm. training maybe a lot of time people that had never rode a bike before, and we would help them get through that process so that they could do something to raise money for cancer, and that was. Um, it was a really exciting time and I met a lot of really, really exciting people. The office thing, the sitting at a desk thing, I think that um, that was the endurance challenge I wasn't up for. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people seem to kind of grin and bear it, you yeah. know, and they kind of tolerate it and they think it's other people, I think, think other people are doing it. So I'll do this as well. I mean, what do you think is different about you than people that would continue doing it? I think I just didn't let any excuses get in the way when I said this isn't for me and I mm. could see myself getting bigger and sadder and just overall unhealthy. And I thought, well, if I'm losing my health already in my early 20s, um, what can I do to change it? And because I was quite young and free, um, I had the ability to make these changes. So I, well, yeah, I just quit and I got rid of all of my stuff from my Vancouver apartment and I just packed up with a one-way ticket to Europe and my bicycle and I just left and I decided well let's just see what happens next and I didn't have a didn't really have a plan. Wow amazing H how long have you been in Edinburgh then? Just over five years. Okay. Technically I'm just on a stopover on that bike trip yeah you know it's just <laughs> it's just kind of stuck <laughs> fell in with a good crowd so. <laughs> you spoke about obviously the fact that working in a a, a kind of day job you, you got kind of unhealthy yeah what does your lifestyle look like now what you know in terms of kind of nutrition wise and um, maybe some of your kind of routines holistic practices anything like that so staying healthy is extremely important to me because if i'm healthy and i'm fit i can take on these big adventures that i get so much out of and i know that they mean so much to me so when i'm um when i'm back home so to speak and i'm training or not training, I'm always thinking about the choices I make now will affect the next time I try to run across the mountain range and that really motivates me. Uh, so I do do try to be really healthy. I'm not saying I do it every day of the week, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do lots of yoga, I do meditation, do lots of uh, physio for all the injuries I pick up on running across mountain ranges uh, and nutrition is is really important to me. I spend a lot of time on that. As do well. you? Yeah. 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 What, what, would, you, what would your diet look like? Lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of fresh things. I mean, especially now that we're in winter in Edinburgh and we're getting, what, four hours of daylight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It becomes really important to get those, those vitamins in. So just try to cook at home as much as possible. Cool. Stay healthy. I like With it. some red wine every now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's meant to be good for you, right? That's what I keep reading, so I keep doing it. <laughs> so, I mean, what was, the, like, the first 
major challenge that you, you undertook? So I had just finished university and I'd moved back home to my parents. Um, and I really thought I was going to launch into that adult life that I was meant to have. Uh, and it was a recession in Canada at the time. So searching for jobs was a pretty defeating process. There wasn't a lot out there. They were all pretty terrible, low pay, but expected, you know, a university degree and five years experience. And it was like, this is a bit lame. So I was kind of mm. living that, that graduate dream of living in my parents' basement and not getting a job and crying myself to sleep and just what am I going to do with my life? Um, and it felt like things weren't going anywhere. I mean, the, mm -hmm. they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> so I decided, you know what, I'm going to be financially poor this year anyway, so let's go on a grand adventure. And I had this idea that I would go to the Yukon because I'd never been to the north of Canada and, um, and I wanted to get there on human power. So the bicycle made a lot of sense. I'd never had a bicycle. I didn't really know anything about how they worked, but just thought this is the best idea I ever had. So I went to a bike shop that weekend and picked up a bicycle, just went home with one and made this plan. I didn't plan it very thoroughly, but just said, I'm going to cycle to the Yukon. It was going to be 3000 kilometers over the Rocky Mountains. And because I never cycled, I had no concept of what 3000 kilometers was. And I yeah. think it's always a lot easier to say yes to a challenge when you don't even understand how big it is. Um, so I would just thought, this is great, this is what I'll do. And I just packed up my bicycle and, and I head off and I had no idea what I was doing. And if I look back on that girl, I'm amazed that she did it. Because I mean, my challenges weren't just, you know, I didn't have cycle fitness. It was, I didn't know how to fix my bike. I didn't know how to ride. I didn't know anything. There's extremely long stretches of road and in that part of Canada that you can go days between getting supplies or getting help from anyone. Wow. So you have to be resourceful. And I, yeah, I don't know if I, w I don't know if I would tell a 21 year old to do it, even though I did it when I was 21. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge. It was. What were some of the biggest things you learned from doing that? My biggest lesson was on quitting because it pushed, this ride being a lot harder than I think I realized it was going to be, it pushed me back a lot. And there was no reason for me to complete the ride. I wasn't raising money for anyone. I wasn't setting a record. It was just, I want to have an adventure. And so I was challenged several times on the, are you going to see this through? Um, and one time I, I really almost did quit. I, it was one morning and I'd finally just started to kind of do well. I was more than a week into the ride. I'd gotten through a few days without falling off the bike, trying to get out of my pedals or anything. Hmm. Um, and one morning I find myself lying on the side of the highway and I've had a crash. And I have absolutely no recollection of crashing. Oh my God. So I'm lying there and you know, immediately you look around for, is there any immediate danger? And there wasn't, there wasn't, there weren't any bears. I hadn't actually seen a car yet that day. So I had no idea what I crashed into. Um, so I lay there for a while, who knows how long I lay there stunned until I got up to try and figure out what's happened. So I, I picked myself up on my bicycle and I'm scraped, but I'm fine. But my bicycle, the handlebars are mangled. And I mean, I spent all my money on my kit to do this trip. I mean, I was just a graduate with no job. And now the only thing that I own, I've just destroyed. And I can't get to the Yukon without the bicycle. Mm -hmm. So all the people that told me this is probably a bad idea, they were all right. And I'm going to have to go home with my tail between my legs Jeez. as a total failure. Hmm. Um, but at this time, I was in northern Alberta, which is an incredibly remote place to be. So it's not like here, if I decide to cannon a bike ride, I can just walk to the next train station and and go home. You can't do that in Northern Alberta. 
so there were no options. There's no cars coming. There was no help available. Oh so I really had no option. I just sat down on the road and I cried. <laughs> and I just sat there and I cried um, until I started to finally retrace my steps. How did I get, how did I crash my bike? How did I manage to ruin this? Um, and I realized I was starving. And so I took the bag of muesli I was living off of out of my bag and just eating my muesli with my spork. And <laughs> as the calories kind of worked their way in, you know, my muscles were shaking and I was kind of in a brain fog. Things started to clear up and I started to realize, you know, what, I haven't actually done this in a long time, eating food and started to retrace my steps that I had been pushing myself harder than I'd ever physically pushed myself before and not actually taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't doing any of those things that I know now are essential to completing an endurance challenge. Mm -hmm. And finally, it dawned on me that I had actually collapsed from exhaustion. And I never wow. realized before that you, anyone, let alone me at 21 in the prime of my health, would actually collapse from exhaustion, that I would hit that point where my body said, mm. if you don't stop, I'm going to make you stop, which <laughs> is what it did. Uh, so I ate my muesli, figured out that my bicycle was extremely fixable. It would just fall in and had an impact. So I just had to reverse that impact and push the part back in place. That, Seriously? Um, yeah, I feel like a real idiot. I tell people this story all the time, and I feel more ashamed every time I tell it. Because that's how basic my mechanical knowledge was, and that's how hangry I was in the moment that yeah. I thought, this is broken, it's over. Um, but it just, I just needed a snack, apparently. Um, so that was a really good lesson on quitting for me, because I had assumed that this was done and that I couldn't face this challenge and that I would have to go home. Um, and so the rule for life, and this is not just for adventure, it's for life, is don't quit when you're crying. Take a moment. Maybe you just need a nap or something to eat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. I, I was just thinking there's a kind of line of thought that's not to make big decisions when you're in a sort of a more emotional Absolutely. state, I guess. Yeah, I've carried that with me through my life. I don't trust my instincts when I'm crying. Like, everything's <laughs> yeah. on fire right now. You know, you just got to step back, yeah, yeah. breathe. And so did, did you complete that? I did. It took really? me about a month. Yeah, wow. I learned, learned a lot of things on the way, both about how to fix a bike. I mean, I'm not a very good bike mechanic, but at the time, I knew absolutely nothing. I had a written note in my bag about how to fix a flat. And of course, it's Canada. So when you have a mechanical issue, people stop their cars and they get out to help. And I'd be pushing people back like, I need to do this by myself. This is time for me to learn. <laughs> yeah, there was, it was a difficult journey in a lot of ways. And you know, now I can look at that and go a 3000 kilometer bike ride, you can do that. Uh, but at the time, I, yeah, I'm still surprised <laughs> that I saw it through. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> so, so what does your your preparation and, and your training look like now when you're going to do a, a challenge versus what it was like then? It depends on the adventure, mm -hmm. um, the amount of training and preparation that I want to do and what my goals are for the adventure. So for example, when I ran across Kyrgyzstan, that was going to be extremely difficult in so many different ways. It was going to be really, really remote and gnarly terrain where if anything happened, I would be really far away from help. A lot of that was because there wasn't a lot of infrastructure in Kyrgyzstan. So mm -hmm. I had, had this GPS that I can call for a helicopter to come if, if it all goes wrong. But the helicopter didn't even exist inside Kyrgyzstan. Like I'd be paging for oh, outside wow. the country help. Jeez. There's just nothing there to help you. So I had to make sure everything went right. And there would be nothing I'd be able to buy inside the country as far as my camping equipment or whatever else I needed. So I needed to make sure, like everything was in a spreadsheet. That's how, that's how far I went on this one to make sure that I did actually get everything. I'd written the amount of calories on everything that I was going to eat and 
planned every single day to the minutest detail because the level of risk was so much higher than I'd ever involved myself in before. And doing it unsupported, there's no backup plan, aside from that helicopter that comes from Kazakhstan. Um, so that Jeez. one I had planned out really, really well. Uh, but then other times, if I'm doing something like uh, cycling around France, for example, one of my favorite things to do, it's always pleasant. I won't really plan that very far. I'll just say, you know what, let's just go with it and let's just enjoy the ride, take each day as it comes. Uh, earlier this year, I was cycling around the Balkans on a mountain bike. And that's just what I did. I just every day I woke up and just said, where am I going today? And just kind of planned planned as I went and let myself be open to experiences. And I didn't research too much because I wanted to get there with completely fresh eyes. There's always that risk of um, visiting before you go if you just do way too much research. So, yeah. so it's a balance. It depends on the adventure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you, do, is your personality type of somebody that just needs variety yeah. and adventure? Very much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very curious. Always want to see what's around the next bend kind of personality type. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, but probably from your, your upbringing has had a fairly significant influence on that. Yeah, I think so. I definitely see similarities in children who have also had upbringings where they didn't stay in the same house for too long or where they moved schools or whatever, that uh, they get used to change and then they crave change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your, your 12 kilogram rucksack, I mean, what, what are the contents of that? So tiny, tiny tent, mm -hmm. uh, a small camp stove. I uh, usually had to carry between five to seven days worth of food at a time, and that was the bulk of the weight. Um, mm. Some warm layers, because during the day it would be 30 degrees, running in shorts and t-shirts, but then overnight it would go below freezing. So I had every weather condition to cope with, really, that I need to pack for. And really quite brutal on what kind of comfort items could come along. There just wasn't any room to spare and you have to weigh up everything against if I take this, then that's one less chocolate bar I can pack in my bag. So, yeah. so I didn't take deodorant because that's like at least two chocolate bars worth of weight. So <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so it was quite ruthless. Yeah. And yeah, then of course yeah. water and water is, is heavy, but yeah. important. So, so how does doing something like that affect your attachment, you kind of an emotional attachment to material possessions? It really does have a big effect on me. So I just got home from Morocco last weekend and when I've just gone for an entire three weeks of wearing the exact same clothes every day and everyone thinks, oh, you're, it's going to be so nice when you get to put on your favorite hoodie or whatever. I get home and I look at the choices that I have in my closet and I feel overwhelmed by it. I loved the simplicity of being a minimalist. And so every time I get home, I end up doing this huge clean out where I start throwing stuff out. I was at the charity box today just <laughs> getting rid of stuff because it's just stuff and it does physically weigh you down. Um, so yeah, try to be more and more minimalist and every adventure challenge pushes me further into that zone because it's just it's fewer decisions that I have to make every single day because I don't own that many objects. So I don't, don't have to worry about that stuff that the rest of us tend to worry about when we get up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've sort of heard about the benefits of a really lean lifestyle in terms of possessions and whatnot. Yeah, some people do it very extreme. They're just, yeah. everything fits in one bag and they're not even <laughs> running anywhere. They're just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like I know. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. It's not for everyone, but I think we can all definitely get rid of some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I think I'm a hoarder though. 
bad habit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. Um, what was your, uh, you know, of, of everything that you've done, it's vast. I mean, what was your, your biggest goal or your favourite challenge or your, you know, what was the best thing you've done? That's a really hard question. I love each of the challenges that I set myself to for various ways and they were all the right thing for me to do at the time. So that first one, cycling to the Yukon, that now I look back at and go, that wasn't even a very big challenge and I didn't do a very good job. I mean, that story I told you about me crying on the side of the highway, that wasn't an isolated incident. <laughs> it was a hard <laughs> trip for me. And now I look back at it and I'm like, that, you know, that was nothing. But at the time, that was huge and that was a huge step forwards for me as a person and I grew a lot and my self-esteem really grew out of that. Um, and then I've had other challenges where they were the right thing for me because they were filled with a lot of joy. When I cycled around the Balkans, I just had so much fun. And that was the only purpose of the trip really was um, I just wanted to have a really good time. It was a really relaxing, joyful time. Like riding a bicycle is the most fun ever. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I think they were all part of my journey to where I am now and the challenges that now I'm looking ahead to. Mm -hmm. So they were all important in their own way, if that's, yeah. that's kind of a cop-out answer. <laughs> it is a bit, but <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Yeah, totally. Um, in terms of, I mean, I, I imagine your mindset um, is a, you know, a, a huge part of the stuff that mm -hmm. you do. How do you manage your mind? That is a really difficult topic for a solo adventurer because you don't have someone else to bounce off of. When things go wrong, when you're either just that I'm hangry and I'm negative or things are actually really going wrong. Yeah. You don't have someone that you can turn to that's gonna calm you down or give you good advice. You're completely alone out there. So managing my mindset and keeping myself positive is something that I put energy into every single day on an adventure that I make choices to make sure that I know I'm going to stay mentally well throughout this. Mm -hmm. um, so coping techniques when things are going very wrong, like whether it's putting in a nice, podcast or listening to music, something that's just going to take me out of the moment and just chill me out, um, or slowing myself down or speeding myself up, whatever's right in the moment, but being able to be that adventure buddy to yourself almost, the yeah. person that you wish you'd brought along, the person who's going to say to you, you're having a rough time today, why don't we stop and stretch and, and, um, and take, take five or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's hard and I, I learn every single time that I go out on a big adventure, I learn more and more about myself that makes me better at it and gives me new techniques and tools to, to keep myself in a, in a good place that I can get through this. Yeah, so uh, how has your idea of failure changed from when you started to now? Because I, I think you were saying that when you were 21, it was like other people are gonna see that I've failed. Yeah. I mean, do you still have that kind of concern? A little bit, but not as much. I think back then that was probably the biggest threat. I thought it was. I mean, yes. obviously if I had <laughs> failed, eventually I would have been upset. But at the time, the biggest threat seemed to be I was going to have to tell the people who told me I couldn't do this that they were right. Um, and now I think I see, I have a really good relationship with failure. I think it's good to fail all the time. I like to always be pushing myself to my limit. And when you're always pushing yourself to your limit, you're going to meet failures all the time because you're yeah. going to hit that limit. Hmm. Uh, so I. I embrace those failures. I think they're so important in my journey. I think I'm not improving unless I'm constantly failing. So now when I fail, and especially we live in a world with adventurers I happen to be on social media, now I live in a world where my failures are quite public. And I'm really okay with that, that people see that and understand that this is the reality of challenging yourself. Um, and mm -hmm. we should embrace 
going to those places and not just staying in our safe bubble where we're never going to fail. Hmm. And I've always actually been really surprised when I do have those failures that I tend to land on a soft pillow and I almost get scared. I think, oh, someone's going to say something to me or I'm going to get an email from someone who can't believe I failed. But I always, get, I always get this well done and the community around endurance challenges is actually, you know, they get it. They're really positive towards it. And so I don't fear that as much anymore. Maybe a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I'm getting better. <laughs> what has been your, your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? So, as I said, I, I do think that I fail frequently, mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest one, at least the biggest, I don't know whether or not to call this a failure or just an extreme disappointment, but in the summer I participated in the transcontinental race, which is a self-supported bikepacking race across Europe. It is known as one of the hardest races in the world and I came into it really, really excited and really well prepared. And I really thought that I had this in the bag. Mm. And the first few days went really well and just affirmed that, that I had this in the bag, that I was gonna finish this race. And I was having the time of my life. I was meeting amazing people. Uh, and then things quickly went wrong. Uh, there was the worst heat wave Italy had seen in I think 60 or 70 years. It was over 40 degrees and I was um, cycling 18 to 20 hours a day um, and off the back of that basically my body just unraveled I ended up quite ill and at one point I remember trying to stand on the side of the road trying to think should I go to a hospital or should I just check into a hotel that I was really the heat exhaustion symptoms had been so severe for so long and I wasn't able to to safely continue the race and so I had to drop out of the race uh, almost exactly the halfway point and that was the worst feeling I can ever remember experiencing. I cried for days the whole way home because um, I was, when I scratched from the race, I was in Slovakia and then had to get back from Edinburgh, with, back to Edinburgh with my bike somehow um, mm. and having to go through that while I was literally just, I couldn't stop crying. I was so upset. I was so gutted. I couldn't believe that this had happened. And I went over again and again. And I still, this is several months on since that happened. Almost every day I'm deconstructing but what if this had happened and what if this had been different? And really? um, that's been, I think, the hardest part about accepting this failure or disappointment is um, trying to forgive myself for, you know, it, I think I did everything right. And I think it just wasn't my day. And, you know, every now and then things happen. But mm. uh, it, it was gut wrenching. It is still gut wrenching. Jeez. Will you try it again? I think I will because I was having... I was really having the time of my life and mm. I'd never ever quit anything before and that feeling really sucks so I think if I don't yeah, go yeah. back then it stays as a quit so yeah ultimately I think I'll have to. <laughs> I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we spoke about this before we started the cameras actually. I mean, what are your views on I, th I think this is probably my interpretation, but I think it's probably widespread, is that the type of stuff that you're doing, the endurance type stuff, is generally perceived as a kind of male-dominated mm. area. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that and in terms of maybe trying to encourage women to actually partake in this? So the interesting part is where that comes from, people's perceptions that uh, yeah. men and women should be different in this arena. Um, because when it comes to extreme endurance challenges, actually men and women start to compete on the same level. You'll see in a lot of ultra races that they'd only put up one podium because we don't need to divide men and women hmm. when they get to that point. It's not like the 100 meter sprint in the Olympics that mm -hmm. um, at these extreme levels, 
men and women are on an even playing fields and actually women start to do better at a certain point, which is really interesting. Mm. And then this industry still tends to get a lot more men involved than women and certainly the men are a lot more visible than the women, which leads to fewer women signing up because then they think that this is a men's arena and it's, it's not for me because I don't see anything that I identify with. Uh, which is really unfortunate because I really do believe that it makes me a better person. This time that I spend outside and pushing my body and really taking care of my health. Mm -hmm. And everyone I know in this field, I see them get so much out of it for self-esteem, for their health. And I want everyone to have access to that. And I don't want anyone to be held back by demographics. It's not just gender, it's also age. Everything people think this arena is just for a certain group of people, but it's absolutely not. It's, mm. you know, it's the outdoors, it's, it's for everyone. So how would somebody get started in, in doing what you're doing? I mean, you don't just go from average Joe to suddenly covering continents. Like what, 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 what Not would be suddenly, but it can <laughs> be done. Um, I would say just start, just, you know, see where you're at and where you want to go and then just m put yourself a map between those steps. So what are the things, what are the skills I will need to learn? What are the, um, what are the mileages that I'm going to have to achieve? And then just start hacking at it, start working at it, start setting small challenges. If you want to run across a continent, then, you know, this weekend go run across the Cairngorms and start <laughs> working your way up to the point that these become quite achievable and mm -hmm. within your reach. Nice. Good stuff. You, you uh, in the intro, uh, it was mentioned you're a filmmaker as well. Yeah. So you make kind of, uh, I suppose, like many documentaries of the challenges that you do. I can't imagine anything worse than <laughs> when you're absolutely exhausted and you've got to then kind of, oh, I need to get the camera out and film myself. How do you yeah. deal with that? There are moments when I really can't be bothered, so it does take a lot of discipline. But what I've really got out of it is that it makes me a lot more mindful of where I am because I am yeah, a solo yeah. adventurer and I'm pushing myself. So I typically tend to just put my head down and I just, whether I'm cycling or running or whatever, just go and not think and just push and push and push and not taking the time to just take my eyes up, look around me and say, this is wonderful. I should tell people back home about this place and mm. how would I tell that story? And so a camera has really facilitated me doing that and being a lot slower and more mindful and a lot more appreciative of these moments and capturing them. Yeah. Um, and I'm just lucky that in doing that, a lot of people have enjoyed watching them and, and just getting that insight into what it's like to do these challenges and make a lot more people want to spend time and have their own moments like that. So yeah. that's been really nice feedback. Hmm. Excellent. I've often wondered, like in terms of charging your camera or if it runs out of batteries or if something happens, like how do you deal with that? I have this charging block and it's, it's definitely a luxury weight that's weighing down my backpack. <laughs> but there's so many things that it, it's surprising for these minimalist adventures that are all about the outdoors, so much technology, because my phone is my map, I've got my GPS, got the camera. Um, so you do have to think about these things and put together a plan. Uh, Kyrgyzstan was probably the hardest because I was going really long stretches without any access to civilization and that civilization yeah. wasn't guaranteed to have electricity. Um, so there was really, you had to be quite ruthless about it. You know, the GPS is the first priority. And if, if you're delegating how much charging space we have left, then we're just not going to film for this little bit because that's not going to keep me alive. You yeah. know, camera's not a priority at that level. No, definitely not. <laughs> how has seeing as much of the world as you have impacted your worldview? 
a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, it makes me a lot more appreciative of everything that I've had. I mean, we're so lucky to have grown up the way that we grew up and it was just because of where we were born, all these benefits that we have, the education that we've had, mm -hmm. um, things that I've never been scared of, like being hungry or being in danger. Uh, so it does make me A, a lot more appreciative of what I have back home, but B, way more conscious of how many other people are out there that don't have these things and the responsibility that we have towards them and the lifestyle choices that we make have a huge impact on the rest of the world and there's a huge injustice in that as well so trying to be a, yeah. trying to be a better person and have a more global view about the choices that we make yeah definitely that's a bit <laughs> preachy but there we go <laughs> not at all i don't think so i don't it's think so it's a good, good answer really good answer what does a day in the life of you look like now? Almost impossible to answer. I haven't had Seriously. many similar days of late. So I, I only just got back from running across the Atlas Mountains 10 days ago. Um, since then has involved a lot of recovery. You've just been in deep exhaustion. So lots of sleep, lots of yoga, lots of eating. <laughs> um, I was at an outdoors festival over the weekend. So speaking to audiences and spending time with people in the industry, which was after coming off of doing this huge trail that I was 21, 22 days of running by myself to come back to the world where there are other people who, who appreciate that and get that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, it was a reverse culture shock, but it was, it was really nice. So yeah, every day is different. Just try to get outside. That's the most important part of most of my days is if I don't get outside, I'm not the same person, so. Really? Do, yeah. do you spend a lot of time in nature? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's vital to me. And the more time I spend in nature, the more time I need to spend in nature. You know, it's potentially addictive. Yeah. A good addiction, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Edinburgh in terms of the, the access to the outdoors? I think that's a lucky thing about a place like Edinburgh is that you can have everything that you need in a city, but I mean, if you don't even have far to go, if you don't have a car, the Pentlands are right there. And you can feel really isolated in the Pentlands. You can, I know people that go out camping there because really? you can get the silence <laughs> from the city. Um, so we have that and then it's not far to get to the highlands and to the real hills. And, um, and we've got a great airport that we can get other places. So it's mm -hmm. a good, I found it over the last few years and it's probably why I've never left is that it's got a really good base to do adventures and to explore. Do you think you will move? I think that's always kind of the way that it'll be with me. I don't think I'll always be stuck in one place, but I think Edinburgh will always be one of my homes. Hmm. You know, I've got family here, family from here, uh, really gel with the place that I just don't think I'll ever completely, completely leave. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Where would you like to live? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, well, you gotta like try everything. Like, how, do you, how mm. do you know you're in the right place if you haven't tried other places? So, yeah, maybe South Africa, maybe China, I don't know. Yeah, try new things, yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a fascinating insight into the way that you operate yeah. <laughs> ev everywhere. Oh, wow. do other people not say that? Uh, I, don't <laughs> I don't know that they do, actually. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, reflect uh, on that later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't think I've ever actually asked anyone that as, as directly, but okay. no, I think people, I, I don't know you know i can only kind of think for myself in terms of identify one place with being this is home 
Okay. And so for me personally, the idea of living anywhere other than, well, actually Edinburgh feels very, uh, it's like a challenging notion actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I fall in love with some places, but I don't think I ever let them be part of my identity. And I don't know if that comes from growing up traveling a lot. And the place that I grew up was not the place that either of my parents were from. So maybe I grew up in a household where no one identified with that city, that it was just we're here now because dad's job is here or something. Yeah. Um, so may maybe that's why. Now we're just going into psychoanalysis of me. So let's, let's do the next question. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is an interesting question. How have you um, evolved as a person throughout your life? Um, I think, and I think a lot of women in their 20s go through this, I hope a lot of women in their 20s go through this process of being a lot more true to themselves. And when you move away from the school environment and the fit the status quo environment, starting to find your own path rather than continuing on that. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just say, I don't think anything about me has changed. I would say the level to which I embrace the things about me hasn't changed, has changed quite a lot. That, I hate to use this word, but just being a lot more authentic about <laughs> about what I really am and what really makes me be happy and come alive. Why don't you like the word? I think it gets used in the wrong environments. It's that kind of Instagrammy, be authentic <laughs> scene. <laughs> the irony is yeah, that it's that the least authentic place. Well, indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's why I'm worried about it. But <laughs> it's out there now. I'm more authentic now. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm. There's a there's a program on that I've kind of been dabbling with recently because it's not dissimilar to to what I'm doing here. It's called In Therapy. Okay. Um, it's on Channel Five, and there's a celebrity in the chair, and there's a she's she's a uh, psychiatrist, right? And they're kind of working through a lot of the the person's issues on TV. Yeah, it's on TV. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really. I need interesting. to start watching TV. There's some yeah. good stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 actually really uh, quite a fascinating show, and one of the things that she was talking about was a, a period in the person's life when they were like, say, five years old. What would their five-year-old self think of how they are now as an individual? Ooh. So I'll pose that question to you. How would you, as a, as a you know a young child, think of you now? I think she would be incredibly surprised that I'm getting away with living the life that I'm living, that I'm not, you know, just settled down and doing that status quo uh, path that was definitely being sold to me as a five-year-old, that these are the things that you will do and then things will just, you know, you'll get the two kids and the dog and the white picket fence and, and the end, that you'll <laughs> yeah. be happy ever after. Uh -huh. um, I think, yeah, the five-year-old self would be very surprised, but I think she would be beyond excited that we're doing lots of fun things at this age. Awesome. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know whether this is just me, but it feels or seems as though it's more commonplace for people to kind of, um, you know, go the opposite route to the traditional. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where it was kind of, you know, I don't know, corporate route or as you're sort of describing. Do you think it's more common for people to I pursue do. their passions? Yeah, I absolutely do, because that's yeah. the message that we're saying all the time is, you know, we're telling children, do what makes you happy, you're special, do what makes you come alive. Yeah. Um, and some people are actually running with that message, not everyone, but um, yeah, I do think a lot more people are 
doing that. And that's kind of the luxury of the Western world that we live in right now, that, yeah. you know, this isn't the industrial era anymore, that we have the luxury to, <laughs> to pursue passions. And I think we're better off for it. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you would have done differently in your life? A lot of things. Interesting. Like daily, probably stuff. Really? I'm a clumsy person. <laughs> um, you know what, I say that, but then at the same time, I'm quite happy with where I am and what I'm working on right now. And all of the things I've done so far, the mistakes I've made, any regrets I might have, they led to me being here. So actually, I have to take that back because they've all been part of the journey, even the stuff that wasn't fun, even the stuff that felt like a mess up at the time um, ultimately led to this. So yeah, okay, no. Really? There's something I would have done differently. <laughs> it Seriously. All so far has worked mm. out. Okay. There, you know, painful moments that I wish I hadn't gone through, but whatever. Yeah. They got me here. So do you think that had you done things differently in the past that you wouldn't have ended up where you are now then? Well, we have absolutely no idea. <laughs> it's like sliding doors. Yeah. There's just no way to know. <laughs> yeah. I have absolutely no idea. Interesting. We're getting we're getting into quite deep territory Are here, we? Yeah. which uh, you know I, I really do enjoy uh, going deep in conversation. My next question is around purpose in life. Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel is and has been your your purpose? I would say if I went really top level on this, it would be make the world a better place. Huh. And the area of that that I've chosen to tackle, and certainly my challenge at the moment, is I would love to see more people getting outside, more people appreciating nature, more people exploring the world around them, um, and above all, challenging themselves, physically, emotionally, mentally, um, to do really exciting things. And that doesn't have to be running across a mountain range. It could be starting that business that you wanted to start, but just having people take on those challenges. And if we can get more people outside and more people seeing this beautiful planet that we have to take care of, that we have to fix the damage that we've done to, mm. um, I genuinely do think the world would be a better place. So that's the that's the niche area of my yeah. purpose that I'm that I'm currently working on. I like it. That was a great great answer. Good. <laughs> what would you like your legacy to be? My legacy. I guess the legacy is you know when I'm an old lady looking at children, how would I like the world that I left them? I would like my legacy to be that people are choosing their challenges and choosing their purposes. If we go back to the first question. Hmm. Uh, not taking into account anything about their demographics, that they're just doing the thing that they think is right for them, whether they're a man, a woman, straight, gay, black, white, that they're just doing the thing that makes them come alive and the gift that they have to give to the world. That's what I would like to be, hmm. my legacy. Hmm. What are you really, really passionate about? And I think another way of kind of reframing this question to try and get at what I'm want to hear mm -hmm. is what are the things that irritate you? Things that irritate <laughs> me are when judgments are made and just kind of held on to. So the one that I obviously hit the most personally is, oh my God, but you're a woman. Hmm. Uh, and I'm always really surprised by that, that at this age in the world, I am still getting that. And I'm getting that from people in Scotland, people in Canada. You know, it's not just everywhere I go. Uh, so that, I think really irritates me and I try to handle it in a way that's, you know, will just watch me then rather than turn around and give a big feminist rant, which I do love a good feminist rant and I do a lot of them. Really? Uh, but 
I think the best way that we can tackle that is to have men and women seeing that women can do stuff. If we have more women in this so-called adventure industry, um, setting a good example and showing that you know, you're not held back by ovaries, that you can still do the things that you want to do um, and just judge me on a person level. And that's maybe the biggest, that's at the core of it for me is that yeah. we're not judging people on the level of just you are you. We're judging them on the, well, you are this and you're this and you're this. And, and again, looking at those demographics and somehow making that influence what we think about your achievements. Hmm. What, what, so what's your go-to feminist rant? Uh, that everyone should just be the person that they are and we shouldn't be putting people in the box of you are this and you are this and so you can only be these things when you grow up. And that's the core of feminism for me is just that everyone can be whatever they need to be, whatever they want to be. And that's that. <laughs> I got through that very quickly. That could have been a 10 minute. <laughs> I've excelled myself today. <laughs> Give me a couple of whiskeys and I'll get a lot worse. <laughs> oh, excellent. What is your life philosophy? My life philosophy is to continue challenging myself. And I always go back to that because it can be difficult when people think, well, you've run across a mountain range, that's fantastic. And then you get these kind of congratulations and you go, yeah, that was really hard. Good for me, well done. And kind of sit back and enjoy that. No, you gotta say, am I challenging myself now? Am I pushing myself now? And so that's one that I think is really important that I keep on being honest with myself about being challenged and trying to get better at things that I do all the time. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Yes, it okay. does. <laughs> what are you most grateful for in life? I'm grateful for the start that I had in life. I got to be a Scottish Canadian dual citizen brought in by a lovely couple who raised me in a safe and loving environment. Yeah, that's um, one thing that really bothers me, if we're talking about things that irritate me again, <laughs> like is <laughs> people come up to me all the time and they say, you're so lucky, I wish I could do the things that you do. And even people that I went to school with will say that to me and I go, well, lucky? There's nothing lucky about this. I've made some choices, I've made a lot of sacrifices and I've worked really hard to be able to have this lifestyle that yes, is very lucky, it's awesome. The only luck that I ever had was I was born where I was born to the people that I was born to. Most children do not have that advantage. They're not born into countries that are extremely safe and have good healthcare and education and let girls go all the way through education. So that was the luck that I had in life and I will never stop being grateful for, for that start. <laughs> I like it. It's a great answer. Thanks. If you could master any skill or habit, what would it be? Master any skill or habit? Well, there are quite a lot of skills or habits. I mean, I'd love to be musical, but it's just never going to happen. So that's <laughs> a skill that <laughs> yeah. I wish I could just pray for it and it'll come. Um, I would, oh, that's a really hard question. I'd like to be better at getting things done. I'm one of those people that gets really excited about starting a challenge and getting my teeth sunk into it. Like at the beginning of a challenge, I'm as motivated as a person can possibly be but it's towards the end when I know it's an eventuality that I'm going to accomplish this or I've already started looking at the next thing then I start getting 
start kind of moving on too quickly. I move on from things very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> Get yeah, bored yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny because the, it was a, a book um, by Robert Greene called Mastery that inspired yeah. that question. I was listening to the audio book and I was okay. like, if you could master anything, what would it be? And in, at that time, and probably still now, mine would have been self-discipline. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's the. It's a really a important one. skill to have, but it's, yeah. it's a difficult one, isn't it? Really difficult. Really difficult. How do you define success? That's a... I think that success almost makes me squirm because I don't really... <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm not very, not very good at... Not very good at succeeding. Um, what I mean by that is... So I just came back from running across the Atlas Mountains and so I spent the entire time, the months leading up to it that I was training for it and the adventure itself that took 22 days, just picturing that moment when I would run into the Atlantic Ocean and I would have achieved it. I would have run all the way across this mountain range. And I think about that moment and I think how I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to go get myself a beer. I'm going to check into a hotel that isn't horrible and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time off. I'm going to relax. I'm going to celebrate this. And that's what I always think it's going to be. But you know what, it's actually kind of always a hollow moment when I achieve these, these big goals that I've been working on. I just ran into the sea and then I just, I just picked up my shoes and I went to my hotel and I was like, well, okay. Had a long sleep and the next day I just had nothing to do. I just thought, well, that's done. Now it's, now it's on my agenda. And it wasn't at all exciting. It wasn't that huge feeling. And if I look back at that entire adventure, and this is the same for all the adventures I've had, when I look back, the top 10 moments where I felt really proud of myself that finish line moment doesn't even feature in that top 10 list. You know, it was those, those hard grafted <laughs> mountains that I had to climb up. It was those really impossible days that I didn't think I would get through. Like those are the moments that I, I think back and I go, oh, I really succeeded. I got through that mm. moment. Um, mm. But the whole thing, yeah, it just, that wasn't, that wasn't the I'm awesome moment finishing it. So yeah, I don't know how I define success. I think wrong because I don't, don't define it as finishing. I define it as those moments where you are challenged so hard and impossibly challenged almost, but you somehow get yourself through it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, I mean, the number of people that have asked that question and the number of people who haven't referred to money as a metric of success. And yet, yeah. you know, you look at almost, I think every dictionary will say something about wealth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I have a wealth of experience, things yeah, that, I, yeah. that I put myself through, that, that I achieved. And, you know, at the end of the day, those, those are the things that are making me a lot happier than being able to buy something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? You know what? I don't have that famous person or that legendary figure. For me, it tends to be people that I meet along the way, and I might not even know all their names. It might just be... Um, when I'm running through a mountain range and someone just pops out and helps me and just shows me incredible generosity and I think, wow, that person was so kind and they went out of their way to be kind to a stranger and that's inspiring to meet people that are just lovely, um, people that I meet in the world of cycling and running who take on these really big challenges and the way that they tackle them. I get a lot of inspiration just from, just from riding bikes with other people um, and just hearing their challenges and the way that they tackle cycling. So it just tends to be everyone really. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that I meet <laughs> along the way. It's not not that big person on TV that people worship. It's 
Yeah. You know, it's ordinary people who face ordinary challenges and still get out there. <laughs> I'm going to sum it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good summary. Good summary. What are some of your life goals? What are some of my life goals? Um, What's in your bucket list? My bucket list. I even actually started because I forget where I heard this. It was another podcast that um, you should have your hundred list. Have you come across the hundred list? Yeah, I have heard of that. Hundred things that you want to do. Yeah. And I started yeah. writing that list because I thought, oh, there'll be thousands of things, and I haven't got even to fifty yet. <laughs> and I started getting to the point where I was like, I guess I'll put in skydiving because everyone does that. <laughs> and so, so I'll go skydiving at one point. So there's one answer. Um, but yeah, I just. I think because I am so scattered and I'm the type of person that I get an idea for something I want to do and then it's like we're doing that now and I make that happen as soon as possible because I'm so driven that on that happening now and I'll get bored if I don't get it done quickly yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's really hard for me to look long term what are the things I really want to achieve um, I guess for me a lot of it is travel based there's so mm. many things I want to see and so many places I want to go um, and change I want to affect in the world and it's hard to put really solid milestones on that. Yeah. So let me get back to my 100 list. And if I ever get to 100, I will, I'll publish it. I'll show it to you. But it's, <laughs> nice. it's not coming out very well. OK. <laughs> you mentioned um, podcasts a couple of times. What mm. are some of your favorites? I like a good variety of mm. podcasts. Um, so I like some of the adventure ones because it's really nice when you're out there struggling and you've been alone for several days and not spoken to anyone for several days to put in something like uh, Tough Girl or Dirtbag Diaries who are other adventurers telling their stories and just okay. listen to another adventurer's story because it reminds you what these situations are like and that there are other people who do this. Um, mm -hmm. I also really like uh, Freakonomics comes out with some really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Desert Island Discs. Yeah, like a good good variety. If you have any, any more to recommend, I bet you listen to a lot more. Yeah, I, I do have a few actually. Um, I've started listening to Sam Harris, I think it's called Waking Up. Very interesting. I've it's heard of this one, I haven't listened yeah, to Yeah, quite sort of philosophical. Okay. Goes, he's a neuroscientist, philosopher, he says a lot of stuff. That's, that's interesting. Um, I go to Tim Ferriss's. Yeah. Just, he's got some that's just brilliant job. kind of actionable tips and advice that you can apply. Yeah. Um, I mean, London Real, obviously, because that was my inspiration, really, for starting yeah. doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, pff, yeah, there's a bunch of others. Quite listen, enjoy listening to Russell Brand now and again, actually. Oh. He's just a very, you know, I, I enjoy listening to people that have a good command of the English language and that use words that I'm not familiar with because it yeah. then encourages me to go in, oh, what does that word mean? So it's just a joy to listen to no matter what's coming out. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's less the, 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 you know, the ideas or the thoughts and more yeah. of the kind of granular word type stuff. That's funny. That's yeah. a really good show. Yeah. Yeah. Give that a listen. Um, who do you think have been the people that have had the greatest influence on you in, in life? Obviously my parents mm -hmm. and I continue to be very close with my parents and yeah. they do continue to influence me heavily and be very supportive and understanding of the choices that I make and mm. I think especially the type of lifestyle that I've gone for. It's actually hard to find people that are very understanding um, of that, you know, people can yeah. appreciate it and enjoy hearing the stories but actually understand where the motivations come from. You know, these are the two people who made me this way, so <laughs> thank goodness they, they're on board. Um, so they've been really important to me, and my whole family has. Uh, a lot of my close friends uh, meet 
really great people being in this so-called industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the people that you pick up along the way. Yeah. Are your yeah. parents still adventuring? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's funny. Um, my dad especially uh, tends to pick up a lot of challenges after I do them. So uh, we cycled across Korea together last summer and wow. he had such a blast and it was amazing to see him have so much fun doing that. And off the back of that, he started doing a lot more bike packing on his own in Canada. Um, and my mom too, she, she's a very, very sporty person. She's actually the athlete of the family, not us. Um, Seriously? And so, yeah, so she's always taking on her own challenges and, wow. and we kind of feed off each other. There's a really positive energy to be in a family where everyone's really pushing themselves to grow and... Definitely. Yeah, and not accept, obviously my parents are older than me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not accepting that age as a barrier that I have, that I have anything that they don't. You know, my dad is like, mm. well, if you can run that 10K that fast, I'll run it faster. And we do race each other and, and he does very well. He's actually really hard to keep up with. So, Seriously? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I know. Jeez, jeez. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, the one that we were talking about earlier that I don't like that word authentic mm -hmm. that gets overused. Um, but I had heard that so many times, be authentic, be authentic. And it took a long time, I think, to really seep through and really understand exactly what that means to be authentic, that everything will actually be better for you if you are just being your authentic self. Um, mm -hmm. So finally starting to appreciate that and embrace it, even if I don't like saying the phrase out loud, um, that <laughs> I think it just boils down to everything that you're gonna do in your life. Do yeah. this, handle this moment, handle this challenge in an authentic way, that you're just doing it yourself the way that you need to do it, that's right for you. You're not focusing so much on everyone else and especially in the world that we're in where social media is so important yeah. um, and it's just so ingrained in your life and it's everywhere. Um, being able to block that out and just say, but this is me and I can only be me hmm. and focus on that and remind yourself in every challenging moment to do this in your own authentic way. That took me a while to master it, but hmm. that's a good one, I think. What are your thoughts on social media? So I really fell in love with it in the beginning because I met a lot of doing stuff that none of my friends really do. Um, it was kind of an isolating experience and I never knew what I was doing with that first bike trip and I'm just making so many mistakes everywhere because I don't have anyone else to ask, well, how do you handle this? Um, then social media came around and I started maybe not meeting in person, but starting to have this network of people that did the same stuff and that was mm -hmm. so empowering and that I really fed off that. I started taking on bigger challenges because I realized there's this whole community out there. I'm not alone in this weird passion that I've developed. <laughs> Um, so I do think there's a lot of positives in it for that, that people who are, especially in kind of niche worlds, yeah. can connect with other people. And that's a really lovely thing that we're having more connections. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think we all need to go in there pretty guarded that um, you're looking after yourself and your mental health and you're not going down the hole of um, yeah. looking at other people's lifestyles and um, obsessing over the way that your lifestyle appears and, you know, all that kind of Instagram culture that's been very negative, especially for young people. That's my biggest concern is is that side. But as long as as long as you're seeing it for what mm -hmm. it is and you're not obsessing over it and you're using it for what it's good for, which is uh, connecting with other people. Yeah. Then then I think it can be a wonderful thing. Good answer. Good answer. If you had the opportunity to speak to your 20 year old self, what would you say? 
I would say, don't go out with the man you're about to go out with. <laughs> and I would say, I would say, stop worrying about the stuff that you're worrying about. I think my 20 year old self worried about the wrong things and did not worry about the right things. Um, and a lot of that being social pressure that I really, I was so concerned about what am I going to do with my career and where am I going to be in 10 years and really, um, and the way that things would be perceived and was I doing what was right for everyone who had been part of my life so far, like they had these expectations of me and am I going to meet them and um, yeah. when really I wasn't worrying too much about am I, am I creating the right network, am I hanging out with the right people that are going to make me my best self, am I taking really good care of my health, am I Again, we talked about my core values. Am I challenging myself? Am I letting myself down or am I challenging myself? And those were the things that I wasn't as focused on. So if I talked to that girl, I would tell her, get your head out of this part of the world. Stop worrying about peer pressure. Stop worrying about what other people are saying and you know, look inwards a bit more hmm. and do what's right for you. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of your core values now then? Uh, that's a big question I mean I think integrity knowing that I'm going to be really happy with the way that I handle the things that I handle I think mm -hmm. we don't know what challenges are going to pop up in our lives and I think one of the hardest things is always knowing that you're going to be able to look back at how you handled that challenge and and be quite happy with the story that you wrote for yourself that mm. you did this the way you want to so integrity I mean that sounds like something everyone's going to say but yeah that integrity and that authenticity and always always pushing myself to be better mm -hmm. and not accepting not getting lazy i guess not just sitting back and coasting but but keep the drive nice guess that's some go on forever but <laughs> well th this is your be uh, a good person yeah yeah be a good person <laughs> don't be a dick maybe that's my <laughs> core value <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a cracker <laughs> Uh, this is your uh, license to rant question, I Oof, guess. Let's go. Um, <laughs> if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? I love that question, but I only get to change one thing. Uh, well, I mean, if, if you... Uh, Can I just <laughs> get the message far and wide, don't be a dick, and then everything else will just sort itself out? Do you think just kind of made that the slogan, transformed everyone? Um, I think a lot of, I mean, there's so many different areas you could go to, um, but I think the biggest thing for me is inequality and the way that impacts everything in the planet and the way that we're treating our planet and the way that we're treating each other on this planet. Uh, I think leveling inequalities, if I could, if I can wave a magic wand and fix that and bring people up that need bringing up and push people down that need pushing down okay um and give us all kind of a fair chance at taking on the challenges that we need to take on that are going to fix this world and make it a better place jenny it's been fantastic speaking with you thanks um, for having me I, I've, it's been yeah, I've loved you know finding out more about you um and hearing about some of your your views and opinions which i have to say are yeah they're absolutely on point good <laughs> definitely good <be> back. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure Jenny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. 
and we'll see you at the next episode.